Welcome to Homeschool Mama Self-Care. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from Capturing the Charmed Life. I'm here to help you turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure that you can do this homeschool thing, if you're a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there are just too many things to do, or you are a homeschool mama that isn't clear on what nurturing the nurturer looks like in real time, then this is the podcast for you. Today, I get to introduce you to Jen McKinnon of Practical by Default. Jen is helping working moms balance their career while homeschooling their kids and providing practical solutions that help them cut through the noise and overwhelm and focus on their family's unique needs. Jen hosts the Working Homeschool Mom Club on Facebook, a community for working moms who are juggling homeschooling. She also hosts the Coffee Club, a small intimate group of like-minded working moms that provides support and encouragement. Welcome, Jen. So it's really lovely to have you here and to chat with you all the way across Canada. Uh, Jen, for those people that don't know you or aren't familiar with what work you do, would you share a little bit about yourself and where you're focused? Sure. So um, my name is Jen McKinnon, and as she said, I live in Nova Scotia, Canada. So I um, homeschool, now I only homeschool one. My son just graduated in June, so he is 18, and my daughter is in her final year. She will graduate next month. And she is 16, almost 17. So I am an accidental homeschooler. Uh, I had no intentions to homeschool because homeschool people are crazy. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I believed exactly what you just said. So that's why I'm giggling going, yeah, I remember thinking that. Yeah. Um, But, you know, um, so I didn't start off as a working mom. I actually returned to work. It was a major challenge for me. But I've overcome it, and now I've been working and homeschooling. Uh, we are entering our final and 14th year. So Yay. it's bittersweet. It's like we homeschooled since the very beginning. And, you know, when I first started, I was like, I'm never going to make it. And now that it's almost over, um, it's bittersweet. Yeah. Uh, I know you don't really think of them growing up and leaving the home, even though by and my experience too, my oldest is almost 20. She is in Ontario. And then my second is graduating this year. She's going to be 18. And um, I have two others. I have a 15 year old and a 12 year old, but you don't really think that they're going to really leave. You don't have that as part of your parenting plan, but then they get to be that age and you're like, maybe it would be a good idea. <laughs> Even though the shift, the even the identity that we have as homeschool moms and then going, okay, so do I, am I still a homeschool mom or what am I outside of that? But I bet you probably engaged that discussion a long time ago in your homeschool path because you're not just a homeschool mom. You don't identify as just um, a homeschool mom. Not that that's an am- not amazing thing, by the way. Mm-hmm. But you're also, you know, working full time. You said you had four jobs or three jobs outside. I did at one point. So right because of um, COVID, I've lost a few jobs, just like many of our moms that, you know, we're talking to. And it's definitely a struggle. But now I do uh, two jobs from home and then I have one that I go outside Um, for now. You know, the second wave is coming through. So we'll see how the lockdowns and restrictions 
affect that. But um, as far as, you know, identifying as a homeschool mom, the one thing that I've learned, and if you're brand new to homeschooling, you may not feel this way yet, but your kids are always learning. So I think to a degree, we're always homeschool moms, as long as our kids are home, because they're always learning, you know, just, you know, I found my son graduated in June, but trust me, there is a lot of things he is still learning every day. So um, I find myself slipping back into that teacher homeschool mom mode with him, uh, working through the process, especially with like cooking. I mean, he's been cooking for ages, but we're always learning and trying new things and financial things and you know he has a job and he's having a car so you have all of the new information because as you said eventually our kids are going to move out and we want to make sure they have all the skills they need to succeed or at least know how to learn so they can learn new things as they go so I haven't quite turned off the homeschool mom yet <laughs> I don't know if I will hopefully I won't be calling them on the phone <laughs> Yeah, I find there's a certain transition, like somewhere, at least in my three girls, I've noticed that there's like a certain age, and I don't want to put an exact number to it, but like maybe 13 to 17 or something somewhere in between there, all three of them had like a radical shift, individuating, it's called away from us as a family, and they wanted to establish their own sense of self. And sometimes that meant that things didn't feel as fluid in relationship with them. And it's hard to accept that that's kind of the way it is, or it's not quite the same as it was when they were little and they were so eager to hang out with you and show you their Lego pieces and all of that stuff. And then they get older. And then when they get outside of home, it's almost like they come back to you in spirit. And then they're like, hey, you know, mom, what about, you know, what would you do in this scenario? And I'm like, yay, you get to still be a mom. Who knew? I mean, nobody's asking me for details now. I actually have one kiddo that's kiddo who's almost 20, uh, who will actually tell me that I think that you're teaching Latin the wrong way, because she's actually, <laughs> she's doing Latin in university now. So <laughs> there is that element of parenting too, homeschool parenting. But yeah. so you've got two kids, one's um, graduated, one's almost graduated. Is it going to shift how you're doing things now? Sure. Uh, the one thing I've noticed, you know, as a working mom, we tend to teach our children to be independent learners at a younger age because it's really important. You know, they have, especially where I worked outside the home. So uh, a struggle I had to overcome was how in the world was I going to teach my kids when I wasn't with them? Right. So they would do, you know, so they had to learn to be independent learners. And as when your kids hit like that teenager or high school uh, age group, it's really interesting because I was not going to homeschool high school. It was like not going to happen. It wasn't in my plan. I was going to do correspondence and let them, someone else kind of do it. And then what happened is the courses available were not enough to reach the credits that they needed to graduate. So I sat down and talked with my kids and I was like, hey, do you want to try public school or should we keep homeschooling? And they both decided that they want to keep homeschooling, which left me scrambling but what was really amazing about it is all of a sudden I stopped becoming so much the teacher and kind of got to take a back seat and let them take control of their education and so my son jokingly says now well I homeschooled myself through high school <laughs> which in a way was true because the math he did I mean there is no way I could have taught him 
and he did all the research and he learned from videos and he learned through text and you know he made it through and his sister's using a different program we use ctc math where they you know basically teach them and check all the work and stuff so as far as a shift it's not that massive you know i think if i had been a homeschool mom who wasn't working and hadn't taken that step to have independent learners i may have feel the loss more but because you know my kids are pretty independent and the things that we still do together will be things that we'll keep doing like art and you know it's part of life now it's not so much just schooling so hopefully that shift won't be too much but i guess i'll find out when she graduates yeah that's right you know watch to see what happens and that's kind of the interesting unfolding of this whole parenting thing is that you hold them in your arms and you go oh maybe they are going to be like this or maybe they look like they might do this thing but they they surprise you and it's it's kind of a cool story to follow it is so tell me, you know, you've heard this a lot this last year as I have, what do I do when I'm bringing my kids home to homeschool for the first time? And, you know, not in the classic homeschool way, a lot of people are forced to be at home with their kids um, in a different, you know, in a different context than most or homeschoolers really experience before this year. But what are your tips for people to actually get work done? perhaps to build boundaries with their kids so that they can actually work when they are at home? Mm, that's a really good question. So um, it really depends on your work schedule and how much control you have over it. That would be my first thing is that you need to know. I know some moms that I work with, um, they have zero control. You know, they have to log on at eight o'clock in the morning and they have to work through till five and they're allowed two breaks and so if you're in that situation, it's also going to depend on the age of your children, right? So if you have little ones, you know, they're not going to understand what's going on, depending on the age. Um, so in that situation and with restrictions, of course, you want to be safe, but you may need to bring in child care if the child's very young. Um, but if you have older children, I usually recommend, you know, getting your kids used to you working so you know we used a timer which is super simple it's such a simple concept and yet it works um so i had i liked visual and audio so my you know i'd start really small start with like five minutes and i'd say okay um and sometimes i wore a hat so they had that extra hat so we called it like my thinking hat and so i'd put the hat on and say when mommy has her hat on you know you cannot interrupt the next five minutes and then when the timer goes off I take my hat off and I spend the next five minutes just with the kids so they understood okay if they were waited and you know you want to set up those boundaries like if the child is hurt or the house is on fire obviously they can come and interrupt you we need some common sense here but um you know you kind of slowly train them and there I also uh, recommend creating activities and things that your children can do because if you leave a child unattended for five minutes, you will learn exactly what they can accomplish in five minutes. And I guarantee you it is more than any adult can do in five minutes. <laughs> they can destroy your house. They can redecorate your walls, <laughs> depending on the age. So I always recommend that you, you know, you have some things, uh, we call it strewing. So if you're familiar with that concept, um, it's kind of this psychology of just leaving things out and not necessarily assigning it so it catches the child's curiosity uh, you know so we use coloring pages we had um, play-doh and legos and 
you know, really depends on the age of the children. As they got older, they were able to, you know, tackle re the core subjects. So they would, you know, dig into a reading book or they would, you know, not go to math lesson. And then what I really appreciated about the break was you could spend that, you know, five, 10 minutes checking in with the kids. You know, how are you doing? Are you stuck? Do you need any help? And they kind of got used to the rhythm. Again, it would depend on what control you have over your schedule, you know, what type of job you have, if you can take those breaks. But that's one thing that I usually recommend starting with is getting your kids used to the fact that you are not available to be interrupted for at least five to 10 minutes and then slowly work up to like 30 minutes. You can't really do a whole lot of work in five minutes. You can kind of get started, but you can't really dig in. But it's teaching your children and getting them used to the fact that you are not on call and you can't jump up and help. And they do get used to it. I mean, there's, it's, um, it's usually hardest on the mom not to jump up when they say, mom, 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 you, know, you have to train yourself. And when you're like, one minute, I still have my thinking hat on. We have like a minute and 32 seconds. You need to wait. Then they kind of get used to it. And then you really need to stick with it. You know, if you say, I'm going to work for five minutes, I'm going to spend the next five minutes with you. You need to set that five minutes aside and spend it with your kids. And it's kind of a great way to release that mom guilt of I'm always working because your kids get that one-on-one -on -one time with you as well. It was your tip that stuck in my mind all year long about putting an alarm clock outside the door so that people would know that I'm mom is not available. And, and that's just a great tip. Teaching kids to stay outside the door. Having said that, um, I also suggest not locking a bathroom door and going into the bathroom because it's guaranteed someone will come say the house is on fire. <laughs> My 18-year-old did that last year. Not that the house was on fire, but she's like, Mom, I need to talk to you. I'm like, you know I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. The tips that you have there, those are for younger kids. What age would you generally think? I know that every, everyone's child is different. Yeah. So everyone's child is different. I usually say start pretty small as far as time, even with older kids, because we have to realize it's an adjustment for you and your kids. So this is brand new to them. They are not used to, especially in the public school system. So first of all, you're introducing brand new homeschooling. You're introducing brand new routines. And now you are there and the problem for well, I guess it's not necessarily a problem, but your kids are used to you being available when you're at home. They're not used to you working. You're not used to working. And so I still recommend, you know, even for older kids to start at a small time. You might be able to start with 15 minutes because they're older and they have a better concept of time. But to give yourself and your kids grace, realize it's going to take time for them to get used to all the new things that you're starting. And they're going to have big emotions and feelings about it. And so are you. And you're going to have bad days. And you're going to think, what in the world did I get myself into? And then you're going to have these amazing days that you're like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. So give yourself some grace to, you know, make mistakes and have those bad days. But yeah, I usually recommend starting with like, you know, I wouldn't start any longer than 15 minutes to begin with, even with, you know, nine, 10, 11 year olds. If you're up into like high school, it's a little bit different because sometimes your kids don't even want to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to worry about them interrupting. It's the other way around. You have to go interrupt them and say, hey, are you okay? I do. You still here. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah. 
That is so true. Um, but actually, if you, you know, all these families that are bringing home their kids for the first time, the entire, like whether they're five or whether they're 18 or 17, they really are adjusting to being at home together. And so then you're really identifying all the family challenges that are there that maybe not, or maybe haven't been spoken, like boundary issues, the difference between me being available, I'm right here and you over there, and we're going to coexist, we're going to go do our things. But like you said, I'm, I'm not always available. Lots of challenges for families to engage. But you know, I'm going to go back to um, a thought that you had about multitasking, or at least I see it as a multitasking endeavor as a parent that's at home all the time with their kids we are really good at multitasking but the research shows that it's actually not a useful strategy to actually get stuff done is to try and multitask um, in the little bit that I did for research I discovered it really is a myth that we can get so many things done in say a half an hour period or an hour by moving back and forth around the table to do a math workbook with each of the kids and then also to do our own work and our table right behind and and we feel like theoretically we're getting lots of lots done because we're moving back and forth but the research says we actually are not as productive so do you have any tips any ideas of how to engage that as a homeschool mom well i always think that there is a time for multitasking but I have a different definition of it. Well, not really. Anyway, <laughs> before I confuse you. So there are certain things we can do at the same time. For example, you can throw a load of laundry in the washer and then go do something else while it's washing, right? And technically you're multitasking, although you're not the one standing there scrubbing the clothes, the, the washer is doing it. So I think there are certain things you can do at the same time. For example, you can fold laundry while giving your child a spelling test chances are you're gonna be able to do both. Um, but I do believe that there are is a lot of value in single tasking and that's focusing on one thing. And that's why you know I recommend starting small and I said, but you're not really getting anything done with those small time periods because your mind cannot switch back and forth from, we like to think we can, but it exhausts our brain, you know, switching and switching and switching. So once we get those 30 minutes, now we can single task. We can dive into that math lesson with our kids for 30 minutes and really understand, do they understand the concept? Are they getting it? Are they stuck anywhere? Now you can really help them and spend that time. And then you can walk away and focus on your work for 30 minutes. And that gives your brain that time to, to you know, switch from one task to another. I also recommend... Um, Scheduling in white space, even if it's only a couple minutes, it gives your brain that chance to let go of the math lesson and then figure out what you're going to be doing next. Because if you die from one, or at least myself, if I die from math into writing uh, something for my readers, my brain hasn't made the switch yet. And so I'm still thinking about like, the, I'm running through the equations while trying to figure out whether this is written correctly. So and when I worked outside the home, white space was so important because you had that time that you needed to remember when you're booking, like the driving time and the time to get changed. But it was a little bit easier because you were in the car. So the only thing you could really focus on was driving and your kids weren't in it. So it kind of gave you that mental space to unwind. And I actually used the car as a great place to practice self-care because you could listen to a podcast you wanted to listen to, you could listen to an audiobook, you could 
crank music your kids hated and sing out loud and release all that stress. So by the time you got home, you were now finished being working mom and now you could be homeschool mom or just mom, mm -hmm. which was really great. So I, I have a thought about the math angle. This is the first time I think I've been homeschooling almost 15 years. And the first time I ever this morning had my child do a math lesson for me where they were actually quizzing me. I've had them teach me things before, which I find useful, but he was actually quizzing me and he thought it was fun. And frankly, it's going to be a quick revelation how far I get because he is in grade seven and I'm pretty sure I top out at grade nine. But it, it was a useful approach to learning math is actually getting him to quiz me and see if I could do it. And so I knew he actually was teaching it and, and processed it. But when you're talking about the myth of multitasking or you're talking about how it's a challenge um, to focus on something and really get something done, I actually am reminded of the time alone that I have, which is few and far between. But when I have time alone, I get stuff done so fast. It is amazing to me. How do you do that yourself to get time alone when you're working at home and when you're homeschooling at home? Do you have a process or do you have um, a pre-planned schedule for creating those margins in your life? Um, or you said white space in your life. How do you do that? Well, I'm a big planner girl. I, I because my brain cannot handle all the things and you know it's everyone says okay if you only had one tool to recommend to a working mom who's also homeschooling what would it be and every time hands down I will say a planner and I don't have a particular planner in mind you know you can use whatever you want um, some use Trello boards some use sticky notes on a wall whatever releases stress and anxiety and gives you that sense of you know what needs to be done so in my planner, I write in the space. Like I make sure I have space in my planner. I'm, I'm a big believer in less is more. So for example, today, I knew I had to work this morning. And then I knew I had this wonderful podcast with you. So I made sure that there was at least an hour because I actually had to work outside the home today. So I knew I had to come home and get changed and eat and you know catch up with the kids and the really great thing about my schedule now is my kids are older so finding that alone time is pretty easy i just say hey for the next hour i'm going to be talking with Teresa. can you stay in your room <laughs> and they're teens they love it in there but um when the kids were younger it was much more difficult so my husband and i would switch off you know he would work all day and i would work all day so we had a sitter you had to hire someone to look after the kids you know they were too young to stay home and then when I would come home one of us would do the cooking and the other one would you know check in with the kids and then um, I did a lot of my work my online business after the kids were in bed or early in the morning and that was alone time and it, you do you get so much more accomplished because you're not being interrupted every five to ten minutes um, other ways though that you can find alone time is quiet boxes are my secret weapon. I absolutely love them. You can use them for any age group. Um, my first tip for creating them is make sure that whatever is in that box or bag, we actually had bags so they could take them in the car while I, you know, while we were waiting for appointments and things is make sure they're things that your kids are interested in. I have to tell you that quiet boxes. I thought you meant like a giant refrigerator box that you crawl into. I'm not even kidding. I'm like, okay, that might make some of us feel a little 
claustrophobic, but <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> okay, so, quiet boxes are not what I was just thinking. <laughs> no, so I'll explain what they are, which I should Although have Although it would make a great meme, right? Yes, it would. Although some days I would definitely like that big box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have Definitely alone. <laughs> <laughs> so quiet box are, are a lot like those busy bags that you see on Pinterest except you don't put anything loud in them. And the reason being is the last thing you want happening when you're on a conference call is like someone playing the recorder or the drums. And they will. I mean, That's even so in a quiet box, they will find things that are loud. So, and um, you wanna make sure that what's in them is appropriate for where you're going. So don't let them play with moon sand in the car. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> so those are things, you know, getting the kids used to respecting those boundaries and even the adults you know I'm, I'm gonna be totally transparent here adults you know they mean well and i'm like hey i'm working and they're like oh yeah yeah okay and then they're like hey i want to show you this and you're like mm, i'm working so you know we have to remind them i actually had my husband make me a sign that i hang on the wall and says this is when i'm working and you know adults will come in and i just point to the sign and they're like, oh, right, and they leave. Um, but it takes, you know, you have to respect your own boundaries too. I find if you don't take them seriously, if you're like, this is when I'm gonna work and then you don't, no one else is gonna respect them either. You have to start with you. And then teaching the kids, kids are usually easier to train. They, they get used to the rhythms, especially if you can keep it pretty um, reliable, like Monday mornings, Wednesday afternoon. My schedule is always changing. So it was a little bit more difficult because I didn't have that that schedule. But again, that's that's how we made it work for us. Homeschooling is so flexible and there's so much freedom in it that it was really the best part of working in homeschooling. I know it to be flexible and freedom-filled as well, but I have learned that I created less free and less flexible because I tell myself these are the things that I need to do to be a successful homeschooler or this is the way that we want to have the best education for our children or we need to include all these different elements and I of course am conventionally schooled like most people that I know that homeschool um, but so I've got that background I've got my post-secondary education I've got my husband's post-secondary education and all of it makes to be a lot of expectation and so I actually have a challenge in lowering or altering my expectation to make it like flexible. Mm -hmm. How do you create that flexibility for yourself? You're coming from a conventional background as well. I... Uh, well, I was public schooled and correspondence and homeschooled. So I have a mix of everything. And I definitely fell into the trap of doing public school at home the first couple of years I mean it was so bad I, I I cringe telling this story but I'm going to tell it because in case you were like me and you're doing these things so I had my kids sit at the table and I mean they were little and they had to call me Mrs. McKinnon and they had to raise their hand they needed to ask anything and I really thought you know I had to drill it into my kids head that I was teacher and mom and it took a long time for me to let go of that expectation that I could be both at the same time. I could have fun. I didn't have to be glued to the table. And, um, you know, so I started there and it was a very gradual process because as a working mom, I mean, we're talking 10, 11 years ago, 
and I was in a community where nobody else was really homeschooling. Um, I had two friends that had homeschooled. One had finished. She graduated her kids and the other one, you know, was in it. And I find homeschool moms fall in two categories. There's the ones that love to talk about it and share. And then there's the opposite. And I had the opposite. So, you know, they just, you know, they were, and they were doing their own thing, but they didn't really want to share what they were doing. And I was so overwhelmed and lost and stuck. And Google was not my friend. I don't even know if it existed back then. <laughs> so I really uh, had to make my own mistakes and learn along the way. But it came to a light bulb moment that my son was at the babysitters and he learned something without me. He wasn't sitting at a table. He wasn't raising his hand. You know, he came home and he told me all about it. And I was shocked. I was blown away. I was like, what do you mean? You know, we haven't studied this in homeschooling. How can you learn these things? <laughs> that yeah. moment, you know, that looking back, I would say that totally changed the trajectory of our homeschool because I realized they didn't have to be sitting down to learn. And, you know, once I tell new homeschoolers, once you see that in your kids, you know, take them to the grocery store if they're really little and say, you know, show them the shapes of the can and, you know, rectangle. And, you know, when they're, um, as they're older, you know, talk about nature and what's outside and name the trees and talk about the cycles. Once you see that your kids are always learning, you can't unsee it. Yeah. You can't. And you're just like, it's, it's, I don't want to say magical, but it's kind of amazing because it starts clicking, you know, you start them seeing them making these connections. And that's when I learned I didn't have to stick to the books. I didn't have to do what anyone else told me. I truly could work in homeschool. You know, I could homeschool on the weekend. And I felt like a little bit of a rebel here because, <laughs> you know, we could take our day off on Wednesday. So I used to have Wednesday was my day off. So that's when we hit the library. That's when we did the parks and the playgrounds and the museums and all the fun stuff because you know, we had the place to ourselves and we could do that. So once I started doing that and breaking those confinements that I placed on myself, you know, nobody else was saying you should do that, but I was doing it to myself. You know, I was hedging myself into one way of making this work. And once I stopped doing that, homeschooling was so much more fun. <laughs> yeah. My firstborn as well taught me that to really, she was an outside the box learner she is a very strong hearted person, but she has taught me so much. And I unschooled her. I sat her down in a Starbucks and I said, we're going to unschool now. Cause I'd read a bunch of John Holt or John Taylor Gatto. And she was like, yay, I don't want to school. And so for six months, we radically unschooled. And um, I just recommend unschooling reading all over the place to people, because even if you're not aspiring to unschooling, it just, like you said, it is like that trigger that helps you as a homeschool mom see that your kids are learning animals. It's what is meant to happen inside of us. We learn. We pay attention to stuff around us. We grow. You know, we develop our own aptitudes. We're not necessarily interested in the things that are specific to a school curriculum, but we are very interested and we will engage. And when you start seeing that and you see that on the regular, then you're like, why am I doing all this busy work? And creating all these controlled environments for my child that require an awful lot of energy from me and sometimes some serious pushback from the kids if I can just keep giving them a little bit more freedom. So, yeah, you're right. That's by the way, I didn't get my kids to call me Mrs. Weedrick, but everything else I definitely <laughs> did. And I had an eight month old on my lap and a three year old playing around the other two kids while we were doing Susan Wise Bowers very very detailed tome her um 
what is the book called? I should know it. I've read it so many times. A Well-Trained Mind. And so my eight-year-old is writing two-page narratives on what we read for an hour. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, you got to trust your child, right? Yes. Yeah, and I have very textbook workbook kids. They love workbooks and textbooks and online computer. Like, if the computer can tell them, you know, do this, and they can check off the boxes, they're happy. They, but you know, what they didn't know is that we would do that for like a couple hours and then we would go have fun. I never told them we were homeschooling. I didn't tell them they were learning. They didn't need to know that. I just wrote it all down and for our reports. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we just, we just can have fun with our kids and you'd be surprised how many different things that they can learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of freedom right there. So how did you, over all of those years, include your needs or the things that you wanted to do, like your alone time or, you know, time for fun or time to learn or time to develop your skills for business? So surprisingly, um, when I first returned to work, I didn't um, at all. And I think as moms, we get very caught up in, you know, we have to be mom all the time. Um, I started quitting is what I would call it. I would quit at eight o'clock at night. I was done. I wouldn't clean. I wouldn't cook. I wouldn't do laundry. I didn't pick up things. I didn't answer to mom. I would take 30 minutes and hide in my bedroom. So that's where it started. I actually, well, I returned to work, went through burnout, went through survival mode, got very, very sick. And uh, my husband and I finally had a talk where I was like, I cannot do everything because I was working, homeschooling, cleaning the house, doing all the shopping, doing all the budgeting. I was doing it all because I thought I had to and because I thought I could, which was wrong. <laughs> so we went through a really rough time. And I finally just, you know, my husband's like, how can I help? And I realized that I never asked for help. I, I just, I don't know. I didn't think that was a possibility. You know, I, I was doing everything for my kids and I forgot that they are perfectly capable of doing certain things, I mean, at a young age. So, you know, your five-year-old can straighten the shoes. You know, your six-year-old can throw toys in a bin. Your eight-year-old can load the washer. You know, little things that take something off your plate. So I started quitting and my husband started doing the budgeting and the grocery shopping and we split the cooking and, you know, we started helping each other out. And that gave me the room and the space in my schedule for self-care. Um, for taking care of me. And I started out, you know, the way I recommend everything small. So I started with like five minutes, taking a cup of coffee, closing the door for five minutes, taking a time out, letting everything go. And eventually I built up and, you know, over, over the years, self-care has become such an important part of my life. And I've encouraged the kids to do it. You know, you need that time to gather your thoughts. And so part of my self-care is my online business. Um, I get to help other people, and that makes me so happy. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I had to learn everything. I didn't know anything at all, at all. And um, so I got really excited when I made a button on my website. I remember that. Um, you know, you click the button, and it went to a page. I had never done that before. That was really exciting, and nobody else in my family understood why I was so thrilled. <laughs> But it's great because all of a sudden I realized that as moms, we need to keep learning things that are interesting to us. So, you know, um, because I stopped doing that when I had kids. You know, everything was about the kids. Everything was about the kids and everything was about my job. And I had to learn things from my job. But, 
like many of your listeners, I'm sure we've all had a job we didn't necessarily like. So, you know, our kids learn a lot from that, by the way. They get to see how you handle things that you don't like, but you have to do anyway. So my business was my self-care, and I had to learn a lot of different things. And I'm still learning, and it's fun. And now that my kids are older, we get to talk about it and share, you know, how all that fits. When you talk about that learning button and learning how to do that, I really identify because I have learned everything from scratch pretty much since last October is what I would say. I've written forever, but actually doing all of the the more online blogging type stuff or the podcasting or, you know, whatever the coaching, all of that I've had to learn myself, just like you said. But then one afternoon within the first two weeks into isolation, the first wave, Um, I said to the kids, why don't you put together like a COVID Instagram for our local area and encourage people to share their stories of people coming back so that everybody knows that they need to be at home in isolation instead of wandering around with friends and that sort of thing. And my youngest at the time, 11, said, I'll create a website for this page and for all of this community. And I was like, sure. Yeah, go ahead. And he did. And I was like, what? You know how to do this? I don't know how to do this stuff. So yeah, somebody in my family would appreciate figuring out how to do the button as well. What do you think the myths of self-care for homeschool moms are? The things that homeschool moms think that, no, it can't happen. Or, you know, I can't include certain aspects of self-care. Yeah, so the first myth is that self-care is selfish, and it just breaks my heart. It literally, like, I feel so sad when I hear a mom saying that because, you know, we forget how important it is. We take care of everybody else, but if we don't take care of ourselves, then we can't take care of everybody else because there's nothing left. And I also find people have this myth of what self-care looks like. You know, self-care has to be baths with bubbles or a spa day and I hate the bath (laughs) if I'm going to take a bath it is not going to be self-care because I have to clean that sucker before I get in it (laughs) so you know I always tell moms self-care is whatever recharges you and that can be anything doesn't you know what recharges me is not going to recharge you and you know I think that's a big myth that moms have you know it takes all this time you have to have like five hours to go to the spa and I'm like nobody has time for five hours I don't know a single mom who is at home homeschooling and says boy I'm bored I have five hours I should go practice so it's just it's not going to happen so you know those are the three big things that I think we need to tackle and I think more moms need to share what they're doing you know I think you need to share the imperfect non-spa related self-care so self-care can be anything you know some days for me it's like blasting music and doing a dance in my kitchen and it takes two minutes but you know I'm like okay now I'm ready to tackle this thing I don't like doing but you know I think if more people shared really what it looks like and the purpose our goal our goal is to recharge ourselves to take care of ourselves then I think it would be really good you know, recently I'm finding the discussion of self-care to be a whole different direction because of the pandemic and going into the second wave and where we live, we're going back into, um, well, it's not prescribed, but we're going back into 
what feels more like a lockdown. It's not officially. And so then I'm saying, okay, how am I going to deal with this practically? And it's probably not that radical for a lot of people, but for me it is. I'm like, I am going to watch more Netflix. (laughs) I am intentional about it. I usually fall asleep with Netflix. It was not my default in the first wave. I got busy. I got working, right? Um, And the second thing is to actually pretend this thing isn't happening, which sounds crazy on one hand. Um, You can't actually pretend it's not happening because the news is ever present. And if you're on Facebook, you will discover it. It's reality. And at the same time, I need to just go into my little bubble so that I'm not so preoccupied with what's happening outside of me. I don't mean ignore by not washing your hands or social distancing or not masking. I just or not caring about other people. But actually just saying, okay, you got something to do, keep doing the thing without constantly engaging that media world or engaging the COVID stuff. I think you're right. And I think also giving ourselves the freedom to feel all our feelings. You know, as a mom, we always feel like, okay, I have to be strong for the kids. And, you know, they can't know that I'm worried or concerned or stressed. And I'm not saying have a complete breakdown in front of your kids, obviously, because that would stress them out. But I think it's okay for us to talk to our kids and say, you know, this is what's happening. You know, I'm, I'm concerned Um, and, you know, brainstorm ways to be safe and still, you know, and then, and then have those feelings and then let them go, Mm -hmm. you know, address, be free to have those feelings like, okay, I'm really upset and then let them go and focus on the positive things. So there are actually a lot of positive things coming out of the virus. And one of them, I know working moms are loving because, and it just, and it, finally came to where I live is online grocery shopping. Yes. You know, that wasn't, you know, it was something that was in the cities, but you know, us in the smaller towns or in the country, we didn't really need that. So it wasn't available. So that's kind of like a positive thing for us is like, okay, we can now order our groceries online and go pick them out. That's great. It saves me so much money because I'm one of those people that shops on my way out, picking up all the things I don't need. So I'm not doing that. And, you know, um, spending time with my kids. So I'm going to be honest. A lot of people are like, oh, as a homeschool mom, you might might not notice the difference. But we do. Like, this is not our normal homeschool routine. Our homeschool, you know, our kids are on the go. They're with friends. They're with other family members. Um, So, you know, we've learned how to coexist and when we each need our, our own space. So we actually, during this virus, we redid my daughter's room because it was a little girl room. It had Tinkerbell when she was like three and now she's almost 17 and she's definitely grown out of Tinkerbell. So we've made that like her safe place. And now she goes and she hangs out there. And now when she needs to step away from her mom or her brother or her dad, she can go do that. And so we're learning those cues of when we need to be alone, but we're also learning how to be together and have fun. You know, so we're starting to do game night. We're starting to do movie night where before we were so busy we didn't have time for these things. So there are some positive things and they might be small. They might be insignificant, but if we can change our mindset and focus on those things, I think it's really important as we're going into, for us, we're also getting not quite the lockdown, but it, it's, it's restrictive for safety reasons. So we need to be able to handle those. What would you say for all those new homeschool families this year? This is November by the end of November at least in my experience in the first few years, I was so happy to put all my plans into practice by September. And then by November, I'm like, okay, 
not sure this is going to work, but it's okay. We've got Christmas coming, so we've got some fun stuff to expect. Definitely by January, after it's all done, I'm like, okay, we're good. We need to not homeschool anymore. Let's send them back to school. Except for some people, that definitely isn't an option. Um, what do you say to the moms that are getting kind of tired right now? Oh, hang in there. <laughs> um, homeschooling has its ups and downs. And I always think that the first year, the whole year, was a learning experience because you get to go through all of those things that you just mentioned. You know, you go through the excitement of getting plans in place and you're ready to try them out. And then you try them out and some work and some don't. So, you know, one thing is keep doing what's working. And the things that aren't working, try to figure out why they're not working. And if you don't know, ask your kids, you know, what do they not like about this? Or why is it not working? And you'd be surprised at some of the ideas. And I used to like to use December break as a way to reevaluate. You know, I would go through the questions like, what do we like that we're doing? What's working? What's not working? How can we fix it? And then in January, you'd be all like, almost that September feeling again, right? Like, okay, we're going to try this. And then you try that for a month or two and you'll notice that, you know, and so you reevaluate. And that's kind of how my homeschool, you know, worked for years. You know, we would have those ups and downs of things that were working and and not to get discouraged by the things that aren't because you're learning. Now, you know, okay, this doesn't work, um, you know, maybe for this child. So, but take breaks when you need them. I find most parents, working moms burn out in February, January, February. You know, we have the holiday rush, have the new year excitement. Um, we're homeschooling. Some of us are working. You have a lot on your plate. So just be really intentional with your time and your energy and understand that sometimes we have to say no. So that's kind of my advice. But if you're brand new homeschooling this year, I want you to know that this is not what homeschooling looks like. You know, it's, this is not normal. We're all struggling. You know, I mentioned earlier that my son graduated and I recently had a mom come to me and she's a new homeschooler. And she said, my son is so lonely. You know, how can I fix this? And I'm, you know, she's like homeschooling. Everybody said my kids were going to have all these friends and they'd have all these opportunities and they're not. And it's sad. And I just said to her, I said, you know, my son has graduated and he's lonely. It's not just a homeschooling thing. It's a people everywhere thing. And so we need to be creative. We need to think outside the box a little, um, you know, take advantage of uh, Zoom, using Zoom to connect with their friends and family, um, telephone calls, texting, letters, games they can do over online. Now we have to get creative for our kids, but please realize this is not what homeschooling looks like and it's hard on all of us. So if you need help, reach out to the community, whatever, and you need a community. So whether it's online or offline, um, reach out to that community and see what they have for ideas. Yeah. One of my girls also said that this year she discovered that she doesn't actually want to spend as much time outside of home and do as many extracurriculars. So it was really, I think it's useful. 
And there's so much potential solitude for kids in the teenage years to get, even though it's definitely, like you said, it's a challenging time for everyone. It's a massive shift for everyone. And we as homeschoolers were busy, extracurricular focused kind of people. We did a lot of, like we do a lot of academics, but we do a lot of extracurriculars. And it was a huge shift for us. But I was surprised when my 17-year-old said, I'm actually glad I'm not doing as many extracurriculars. And so there's more time to think and more time to understand yourself or to learn about yourself. But to back up to something you said a little bit earlier, you were talking about learning about your kids and that this year, the first year for a lot of new homeschool moms, is really an exploration. And I'm pretty sure I've experienced that like every year, really. And I keep learning about my kids and I keep learning about myself and everything is just like one big unschooling experiment. <laughs> this is what I've what I've experienced for myself in homeschooling. And when you talk about um, strewing way back in the beginning of this conversation about strewing different objects or different activities or, you know, extra or um, different resources around the house, I guess it's an unschooling concept too to strew things or really just means leave stuff out that look messy, but kids might get curious about and might um, pursue. And I think the combination of seeing our kids pursue learning opportunities and throwing stuff out there so that maybe they can, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And there's no magic trick that says, okay, now you've got an education that's perfect for your child or an ideal homeschool. It's not a thing to just have it magically done overnight. It's a constant process. And, and just like, you know, we are learning about our kids, we're also learning about ourselves and growing up during this entire time. And the whole thing is just like one big unschooled experiment, whether you're unschooled or not. (laughs) What would you say your favorite fun self care strategy is something that actually is fun? Oh, so I'm such a bookworm. So I love grabbing a cup of coffee and diving into a book and, you know, just shutting everything else out. So when my kids were younger, I actually didn't let myself read because I could so effectively close out the outside world that it wasn't safe Um, when they were really little. So this is my favorite self-care activity. And uh, a second runner up again would be blasting music and singing very off key and horribly along with kids. So I got to hear what kind of music do you like listening to or dancing to or singing to? Oh, everything. My kids laugh so hard because they're like, you never really know what's going to be on mom's playlist. <laughs> like, that's right. Yeah, I'm disturbed that my kids actually associate some of our homeschool years with Kesha. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's don't, That's not classic homeschool. That's for sure. <laughs> So at the end of um, our interviews, I usually ask three self-care strategy questions, some fun questions, really just to get to know you in a way maybe other people don't know. One of those is what are you typically doing on a Friday night? So on Friday night, um, I don't know if you've called this self-care or not, but my daughter and I love to watch baking shows. So I don't bake. I mean, couldn't bake. I don't. She my baker she does she loves cake decorating and she's so talented she's very artsy I am not I cook and I do recipes I throw everything in and see what happens so we will 
uh, veg out on my bed and we'll bring in the laptop and we have our, you know, our drinks and our snacks and the two cats and we'll watch um, different baking shows. And our favorite right now is finished. It's the Great Canadian Bake Show. Bake Me show. too. I love that show. And it's so nice because they're not, we've watched a couple other ones that we weren't too crazy about because they were really kind of not nice. But these ones, you know, the people are friendly and nice. And we, so we've discovered that there is a British one that has several seasons. So we are now diving into that. So that is what we do on Friday night. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, we're with you. We're doing it over here, other side of the country. <laughs> so we did get the recipes. And so we're going to try a few. So you can go online and get some of the recipes. So tell me what is in your bookshelf or what is on your book stand right now? What are you reading? Oh, so right now my daughter is doing um, literary ventures for kids. They have a high school membership and she's reading books that I didn't read in high school. Like didn't even hear about. I don't know why I'm, I'm, I keep checking. I did graduate, right? (laughs) But I missed all these great books. So I just finished or I'm almost finished up from slavery and because I didn't read that in school. And of course, I just finished Enola Holmes, which is totally different than the movie, by the way. So there is a book behind that movie. There are six books. Six books. I did not know that. I was so upset. I was like, because I love Sherlock Holmes. I was like, what? So, <laughs> yes. So we watched the movie, which I never do. I always read the book first. And then I watch the movie and complain about the movie, like it's a bookworm. But this time we watched the movie, which was really good. And um, then I, someone shipped me as a gift the book. So I read the book and um, they are not the same, but it was very good. So tell me the name of your blog is Practical by Default. Where did that come from? Oh, oh yeah. So I'm terrible at naming things. Like absolutely terrible. And I was brainstorming. My blog is four years old, four, almost five years old. And my husband you know, was standing there and, and I am practical to a fault. Like I am the person who asks for a laundry basket as a gift because mine's broken. I want things I can use. You know, the only thing I've ever asked for, for a gift that it was not practical is a ring. But, you know, we've been married 20 years and every year it's like, I want, you know, something I can use. It needs to be practical. And my husband is always complaining that I'm so practical. He's like, it's practical to a fault. It's like by default, <laughs> practical is your setting. And I was like, that's me. That's what I'm going to use. So it doesn't really explain what I do, but it suits me. But you know, I've learned that we name our blogs or we name our whatever, um, something that probably is like a subconscious instinct. And then we learn gradually why we named it what we named it. So do you have any hunches why you might have named it that? For your oh, I picked it because he said it and it was like, oh, okay, that fits, like it fits my personality perfectly. And anyone who's gone through my courses or done coaching with me is like, my advice is always, I try really hard to make sure it's practical, something you can do. Yeah. You know, don't, I don't believe in like making it so hard and so difficult and so out of reach that you can't do it. So no, I picked it because it was easy <laughs> and it suits me. So tell me, where can we find you online and what services do you provide? So you can find me at practicalbydefault.com and there I share solutions for the working homeschool moms. So we cover all kinds of things like from where to find childcare to homeschooling curriculum and programs to how to make it all fit 
Um, I also have an online community on Facebook called the Working Homeschool Mom Club. And uh, inside that Facebook group is All Working Moms. It's worldwide. I started it because I felt like I was alone. That's the biggest struggle about being a working mom because you don't really fit into all the homeschooling moms and you don't really fit into the working moms. I felt, you know, there's got to be more than just me out there doing this. And so we are now 20,000 members, I believe, that are worldwide. So it's a worldwide group, which is super cool because you get to learn about like working moms in Australia and Africa and Europe and besides the United States and Canada. So it's really, really cool. Um, and then I have a smaller paid community, which is the Coffee Club. And there, you know, it's it's one part community. So um, I'm available. We do Sunday coffee chats where we do some training and we hang out and it's much smaller. You know, I find that the big group is great, but a lot of people say it's like trying to drink water from a fire nozzle. <laughs> so much information. So uh, the smaller group, it's better for that. We have monthly workshops. We have guest workshops. We do co-working sessions, all kinds of fun things. And then I have a mastermind group, which is, an, again, really small. So we meet once a week and we do lots of, you know, personal coaching and time management and all that stuff. All that fun stuff. So much. <laughs> what would you say the most exotic place is that you've got um, as members in your group? Oh, that's such a hard thing. Um, because like I said, it's so big. Even when, like once in a while I do those where in the world are you posts. Right. And everybody gets a comment. And, you know, we have the Philippines and we have Sri Lanka and we have, you know, and I don't know. That's a tough question. It's a wildly use, useful group for this year. Yes. 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 I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Yeah, so many people that you can definitely address. And that that tip about the alarm clock, every time I talk about it, I always reference you. <laughs> that was a really good tip. That is still applicable for teenagers at times. <laughs> yes. And sometimes, you know, it's the smallest things that make the biggest impact. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, That's a good thing. You can to easily overlook those little tiny things, but they make a massive impact in our homeschool. So. Well, I'm certain that all the ideas that you have and the group that you've got would be super helpful for a lot of working moms or working moms that are about to homeschool and not realize that that's what they're about to do. Thank you for joining me today. It was a real pleasure to get to know you. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you for joining me today. I'd like to hear more about who you are. So come on over to my Facebook or Instagram page, Homeschool Mama Self-Care. And while you're there, you can check out the preview of my new book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Nurturing the Nurturer. All the show notes and the links of this episode will be found at www.capturingthecharmedlife.com. Until next time, I wish you and your kids a charmed week. Unless you're having one of those days, then I hope you can turn all your challenges into your charms.